And welcome again to CBuzz, Columbus's first business-focused podcast presented by the Columbus Chamber of Commerce and Capital University. I'm Michaela Hunt, brand journalist and your host for CBuzz. This is the show where we bring you the best stories from the Columbus business community. We're coming to you from our home at Capital University's Convergent Media Center, a really cool spot. This center is a collaborative space where students and faculty from diverse areas of study, everything from music and film to creative writing and digital media, are empowered to work together in new and exciting ways. We love our space and we love the folks that we're able to chat with on a regular basis. And today we're gonna have a fun conversation. Catherine Dobbs is with us, Vice President of Community Relations and Executive Director of the Columbus Blue Jackets Foundation. Catherine, hi. Hi, I'm so excited to be here with you. And I'm so excited to talk to you because, and Catherine and I were talking about this before we started the recording, we're members of the same 40 Under 40 class from Columbus Business First. And we didn't get a chance to talk much during some of our meetups. We did not. And when you look around all the other folks that were there with us and you realize what a wonderful group of people that are brought together, you wish you had more time. You do. It is a reflection of what's happening in Columbus and the relationships that make Columbus a great thing and the people that you can get together with. So I'm so glad you're here with me today and for the conversation we're going to have. Thanks for inviting me. Well, and and I find this interesting because as we're sitting down and I did not know this from our time together with 40 Under 40, you hail from Ontario. I do. I don't hear it in your voice is why I was going to say. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of surprised by that. People say that I'm confused. Um, yes, I, I get that question a lot when they listen to the way I talk and they're like, where are you from? But I have lived all over. Uh, but my friends and family will tell you that if I get tired or angry, then I sound more Canadian. You hear that yes. accent at those moments. Apparently. I've heard that about Texans too, well, when they, they're tired yeah, or angry. There you go. And I'm married to one. So or I've watching seen that. hockey, perhaps, I guess. Or watching hockey. And you know, hockey, you know, it is king mm-hmm. in Ontario. It is. And so you said you, you know, you started there, have been everywhere. How did you end up in Columbus, Ohio? Well, without taking up all of our time talking about it, um, when I was in high school, my parents were transferred down to Georgia. So I actually left Canada to move to Georgia. Um, my last year of high school, I, I lived with my best friend and her family till we finished up. And I moved down to Georgia, thought that sounded like a fun thing to do at the time. Canada to Georgia. Talk yes. about climate change between those two well, locations. Well, more like culture shock. And col- so, okay, I get that. you know, I grew up showing horses and spent a lot of time in the state showing horses. And you kind of think, oh, well, Canada and the U.S. And until you move south of the Mason-Dixon and you're just from Canada and suddenly you wake up and go, wow, how did I get here? But um, <laughs> what a what a great experience. So my I moved down to Georgia, started college. And uh, while I was in school, my parents moved back to Canada I was all over and ended up in Galleon, Ohio really? after college. Yes. My first, this is my second stint in Ohio. So my first stint was the year 2000, which is an important year in this conversation. Moved to Galleon, which happened to be the inaugural season of the Columbus Blue Jackets, which is how I started following this club many years ago. No, Because here, the girl from Ontario mm-hmm. needed to root for somebody in Ohio. Well, I did. I, I grew up watching uh, junior hockey. Uh, my, my brothers all played. My dad coached. That was sort of the thing. I never really had an NHL team. And so when I found myself here at a time when they were starting the franchise, I thought, all right, I'm going to be a Columbus Blue Jackets fan. And... I'm not sorry. Little did you know where it would lead. Absolutely. So you left the state and then came back again. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. So um, I started working for the YMCA in 2003 and um, absolutely loved that work. 
And that journey with the Y took me um, out of Ohio to Virginia Beach, up into New York. I was living in the, the Catskills uh, on a spot. YMCA resident camp, a 6,000 acre camp, no cell service, much like Northern Ontario. That's how I got there. Someone called and said, we need someone to go to the middle of nowhere. How about you? I said, that sounded great. I'm used to it. Yes. And it was um, while I was there, actually, I got a call from a colleague from YMCA of the USA out of Chicago. He called me up one day and said, hey, you're a Blue Jackets fan. He was a Blackhawks fan. So he said, of hey, course he, he was. Yeah, of course. He said, you're a Blue Jackets fan. The Columbus Y needs a chief development officer. I don't suppose you'd be interested. And my response was, I'm a Blue Jackets fan. I'll look at Columbus. And uh, people like, I, I credit Tom Katzemeyer, who was a board member at the time, that would call me back in New York and say, you got to move to Columbus. you got to move to Columbus. And I'd never in my career experienced um, any kind of recruitment like that, where people were so proud of where they came from and, and, and trying to bring people to their city, um, you know, to support these common goals. And I was really, really impressed. And, and I came out to Columbus. And it just happened that my first call when I got to Columbus with the Y was to call up my predecessor at the Blue Jackets and say, hey, you don't know me. I know it's a small town and everyone knows each other here. I know you don't know me, <laughs> but you need to grow the love of the game. And I, I think I can help you do it. Wow. And Tom, I'll say this, Tom, a huge cheerleader in his family in oh. this community. And so that Columbus way that we've talked about a lot when we've done some of these podcasts, perfect example of that. Someone reaching out and telling you those things and saying those things. And you don't see that. Hair. I mean, I, I mentioned just some of the places I've lived. I've, I'd never seen that before. Um, and the pride and just the interest they take in people and who they want. And um, I had some other opportunities at the time, but I mean, how could, how could you say no to Tom? How could you say no, no to Columbus? And how could I say no to my favorite hockey team? I thought exactly. I was coming to watch. And so I love it. The, one of the first calls you make mm -hmm. is to call the Blue Jackets yep. to say, I know how to get more hockey sticks in hands mm -hmm. to, to, to develop the love of this sport. Now you're at the Blue Jackets Foundation. So tell me how we go from you at the Y mm -hmm. developing this program to where you are today. Well, you know, when I, when I called up um, Jen that day and, and said, I'd love to come and talk to you. And I said, you know, I can help you grow the love of the game. She said, when do you want to come? And I said, how about now? I literally got up from my desk um, downtown and I walked to the arena and I sat across the table and I, I thought I lived my dream that day because it, you know, I was combining these things that I love. I, I loved working for the Y. I loved raising money and helping children and, and all those things. And of course I loved hockey. So that day it was, here's how we can combine these things. Your goal of, you know, getting more kids in the sport. We've, you know, got all the, all the kids at the Y we're teaching values, you know, to children through sports and we can do this together. Um, and I was thrilled that day. I thought, wow, I, I lived my dream today, right? I brought A these jackpot. I brought these things together that I love, and they said great, and provided twenty thousand dollars to get it started in conversation. Two months later, we started another program together, um, but I was only in town about six months. Um, when, you know, my predecessor moved on and I got a call and the call was, you know, I don't suppose you'd be interested. Now, back in 2005, when I worked, uh, when I started working for the Y and knew this job existed, I found out, wow, I had no idea. I had never worked in a nonprofit before. And wow, you know, these, these jobs exist where you can, you know, do nonprofit work for a hockey team. That blew my mind. Right. And so in 2005, I went online and I filled out the form for teamwork online so that I could get the alerts in case this job ever opened up. And of course, my journey took me all around the country. And now I'm back, you know, in this community. And now I'm going to get to work with this team. And I, I really thought like, again, it had come full circle. 
And then I get a call. Would you be interested? And I, w- I was literally speechless when I got the call. It was Kathy Little from Worthington Industries, oh, board, yeah. board chair of the foundation. Another great community cheerleader. Wonderful. And, and she said, are you there? And I said, well, I said the only thing I would ever leave the YMCA for is this job at the Columbus Blue Jackets. And there I was 12 years later back in the community. And so, I mean, I, I, I don't kid about it. You know, I talk about it all the time and being a dream job. Now, I also say it's a good thing I liked it. You wouldn't want a job that, that long and, <laughs> and then find out it wasn't for you. Right. Um, but I can, you know, fortunately sit here and say it's more than I ever thought it could be. So Columbus was recently referred to as a hotbed for hockey in the Midwest. And believe me, I have a seven-year-old who is in his third or fourth year playing Love it. and looks up to these Blue Jackets like nobody's business. Um they're growing these programs, the, the programs like the one my son is in are growing exponentially here in our region. So why really do you think has hockey flourished here in central Ohio? And what does this growth mean for the organization, the Blue Jackets, and its role in the greater community? Well, I think um, certainly over time, people getting to experience a game, right? Over time, you, you, you see it and then you want to be part of it. Um, none of the growth is accidental, Um, you know, in addition to the foundation being in place to help remove barriers to the game. So early on, uh, you know, youth hockey was established as a priority because we want to make sure every child has an opportunity to play the game that we love. And there's a number of barriers and they could be financial. So providing financial assistance. So the foundation was investing it or investing in a special hockey and girls hockey and all these other areas that you need to grow. But we also know that ice is a barrier, whether that's the cost of getting on the ice. So, you know, early on, we're investing in that. But in addition, the, the reality is there's just not enough ice and not everyone is meant to play on the ice. We, you know, we often think of ice hockey. We just want kids to play. I mean, where I grew up, you, play, you played in the driveway like you did any other sport that you see here. And so even just encouraging kids to be able to pick up a hockey stick and a ball and play anywhere. So you have all these programs and, and opportunities for kids to play. And we're you know, focusing on removing barriers. And as the interest grows and winning helps. We know winning does help. We, yes. Winning helps and interest um, certainly increases. But in addition to that, if you followed along, uh, the NHL and the NHLPA has invested um, significant dollars as of late through the Industry Growth Fund. We've got a number of programs that we're funding um, through uh, that program right now to help us, again, remove the financial barrier to get people in the program. So our Learn to Play program, it's $100, which that $100 is paying for six six weeks of instruction. But that grant is paying for all the equipment. That's what I was going to say. I Mm -hmm. thought it was. Yeah. So I mean, as a parent, you're like, well, I'm going to buy all this equipment only to find out maybe my child you know, this isn't for them or they're just not interested. Or they're going to outgrow it within six weeks or Absolutely. whatever. Absolutely. Right? And so we, you know, we've come together and said, hey, like, we'll, we'll take that on and, and give it a try. I put my own daughter through the program last year. Um, absolutely loved it. And, and I was that parent going, seriously, I'm not sure that, you know, we're in a position to take this on right now if she's not serious about it. So programs like that or one day programs, we just um, launched another program called Get Out and Learn. It's goal. And it's a one day come out and give it a try and see what you think. And you may find that, you know, going to um, a local rink and, and playing on the ice is for you. But if you want to go to a local rec center or YMCA and play, there's lots of ways that kids can be involved with the game. And I think that's what we're trying to do is it's a comprehensive opportunity to engage as many people as possible in the sport that we love. Love that acronym goal for get out and learn. Yes. Very catchy. Um, 
You wear two hats, essentially, really, um, in what you do. So vice president of community relations and executive director of the Columbus Blue Jackets Foundation. Let's talk about the community relations part. Because it's important for any business and the work that we do at the chamber, we know this, um, no matter their size or industry, why is it so important to have the right community relations plan and person in place? Well, I think, you know, the the wonderful part about it is we all exist, our businesses exist because we have a community behind us supporting it, other businesses or constituents. And a community engagement strategy is really find a, find a way to um, bring together those common interests and needs in the community and connect it all together in a way that says, hey, you know, we're, we're in your community and we're glad that you're here to support us. And by the way, we're here to support you too. Uh, bringing people together and knowing that when we're working together, we can accomplish more, more good. So um, I think it's a really interesting way to connect with your constituents and your customers and also a way for you to talk about what you do in a different way. In a different way. That's not so much about sales, right? Right. Right. Exactly. Talking about the good that you're able to do. You know, the Columbus Blue Jackets Foundation, speaking of good, going back to that other hat that you wear, Mm -hmm. provides time, resources, funds to organizations in the areas of pediatric cancer, reading, fitness through play, as you kind of were mentioning, obviously, and and the growth and development, as we also mentioned, of amateur hockey. So just to kind of share with our audience, since the team's inception in the year 2000, the foundation has provided more than $9.1 million. Is that right? To our community? That's such a great number. Um, So tell us more about the initiatives of the foundation and what part of the work you find to be the most fulfilling for you, given your background and given your arrival at this position after all that you've experienced? Yeah, so, I mean, it can be overwhelming to try and look at all the things that you do in the community and and certainly all the things you want to do and making those decisions about where you're going to focus. So um, we sum up our work in the community uh, through the foundation as supporting youth health and wellness in Central Ohio. You identified a couple of those uh, priorities for us in, in youth hockey, um, which I, you know, I think we've done a good job covering. I think a lot of people understand when we talk about pediatric cancer and the opportunity there. Health and safety, getting kids active, certainly we can do that through our sport. But one of the things that we've discovered is we're really great at building playgrounds. Um, and so that's kind of interesting. It is. But when you think about it, we have an opportunity to be able to go out and raise the funds but also to generate the folks that are interested in coming out and helping us build the playground. So not only are we going to help fund it, we're going to go out and we're going to get our hands dirty and we're going to put that playground up and we're going to get done. By the way, we can do this in about a day and a half. We're getting pretty good at it. You are. You are we, thorough and efficient. <laughs> yes. So under health and safety, playgrounds have become uh, pretty important. Uh, we did announce um, a partnership with the city where we um, provided $400,000 to help build eight playgrounds over the next four years. Um, And that is to help them achieve their goal of putting a playground within a half mile of every home in Columbus. And so, again, a great example of, of how we can collaborate to achieve common goals. So health and get and, kids active. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, and so health and safety, you know, that's that's a big, uh, certainly the playgrounds have, have been a big part of that. By the way, big cities do this with their professional sports teams. I mean, yes. I've seen it in Chicago. I have some, my sister lives in the city. I've seen it happen there. So that's something that a big city does that we are doing right here in Columbus, Ohio. Yeah, and I think that because of the reasons we just talked about, we know that we've got fans interested and 
and the, you know, the, the fun thing for us is we'd love to just build playgrounds with fans, but actually our staff love to do it. <laughs> so, you know, we start by asking, you know, staff, do you want to come up and come out and help us? And we, we end up with, okay, well, we can, we're going to have to build more playgrounds because we've got more people that want to help. So, uh, that, that's pretty exciting for us. Um, the other one that we didn't mention is education. Education. Education okay. can be very broad. Um, we really focus on reading and literacy programs. I think we have an opportunity both um, with some CR programs and the foundation to help with that challenge we know exists in the community mm -hmm. and helping with the third grade reading scores. And, um, you know, we just, we have the ability to distribute the materials and incentives to children to encourage them to read. And uh, we think that makes us a, a great partner with the schools and the education system to help move the needle there. So we've, we've focused a lot of time and tension around that one. Are you encouraged about how the needle has moved? I know three or four years ago, those third grade reading scores, I mean, it was a huge focus of headlines at the time. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, um, it's still a challenge. And so you, you, you look at it and say, well, we're a professional hockey team. What, what do we know about that? But if we know that teachers say, hey, that kids are going to get excited because Stinger might come and he's going to have a pizza party and we're going to reward these kids and um, with these different, you know, blue jackets incentives, right. then, you know, why, why wouldn't we? And, and we're just, we feel so fortunate that we've got millions of minutes read each season through these programs. When I look about some of the, uh, the your community reports specifically, there's some really impressive numbers, whether we're talking about hours read or um, 5,000 hours volunteered by fans, CBJ players, lady jackets and staff, more than $1 million awarded in grants given to local nonprofits, more than $260,000 of donated equipment, supplies and skating passes back to kind of that conversation we were having about schools. This is really important work to the Blue Jackets. I mean, the numbers show it. Um, and so when we think about other businesses in the Central Ohio community, why should really they make sure they are valuing corporate social responsibility? We talked about it from the community relations side of things, and that is an important part. But this is also a community thing, not just to do it because you look good, obviously, but to do it because that corporate social responsibility is so important. What's your perspective? Well, on that? I, I think that, that the word is responsibility, right? We all have a responsibility and um, we're not short of needs. In the community. No. And so there's no reason why we, we all can't just pick something, but you can pick something that aligns and makes sense with who you are and, and what you do. And of course, if we all did that, wouldn't the world be a better place to think that we've, we've each done our part, right? Right. And so in terms of picking and choosing, because I think that's an important point and something I wanted to ask you about, there are businesses out there who may not have um, kind of a philanthropic plan um, for efforts or initiatives. Um, so how can they pinpoint what's right for them? What advice would you give to them about incorporating those efforts into their business model if they don't have that? Because we have those companies who are part of our audience and, and, and want to do the right thing. But where do you start when you're kind of looking to do that? Well, I would say first, you know, it depends on how you measure success. So we've talked um, both sides of it, right? We've talked about the community relations strategy more corporate and, and how do you support your business model while, be, while doing good for your community. And at the same time, the the foundation, which is really there to try and address those needs directly. And, and really that's our purpose. So I think number one, how are you going to measure successes is, is important. I think the, the next thing is really the conversation that you have with, um, you know, the, the people that are important. So is this a staff engagement opportunity? Is it, is it about doing something in your community that the staff um, working for you care about? Is, is that a priority? 
or the constituents that you serve? Is it about figuring out what's important to your customers and then finding a way uh, to connect that way? So I, I think it's a, a dialogue that you have and then you make some tough decisions. And as I tell the interns that I talk to every season, you know, I'm, I'm really paid to say no. I'm not paid to say yes. Yes. Um, that's mm -hmm. the toughest part. I have the best job in the world and people get to see that side where you always get to say yes and do wonderful things. But the reality is I'm really paid to say no. I have to know when someone comes and wants to engage, why am I saying yes to you and why am I saying no to you? Um, and that's the less fun part of the job. But if you define the strategy ahead of time, exactly, then I know it's a go-to. It's not because I like you know animals more than I like this particular to particular cause. It's just right. the reality of the strategy that we're trying to do. And we believe it's best for our customers and, you know, our constituents and the community that we're in. I love that you said it that way, because I don't think people always consider that whether they're asking for the give or they're thinking about being the one who gives to align yourself with a str strategy that is speaking to specific populations of where you think you can help. Absolutely. And you guys are in a fortunate situation where there are a few different groups within that that you're able to give to, which is just so amazing. Yes, very fortunate. Um, your members of the Columbus Chamber as well. Yeah. How has that played into what you all, what you do in your role in within community relations and being the well, executive director of the foundation? I think it comes back to some of what we talked about before, which is um, we want to support the community that supports us. So we all have something to offer, and and the chamber and businesses in our community get behind the team, whether that's um, on the philanthropic side or on the on the team side. We wouldn't exist without that. Uh, at the same time, I think we're a valuable resource. So if, you know, what better way, first of all, to network and get to know people than to bring them a, to a hockey game. But a professional sports team in this community is important when you're attracting talent and biz new businesses and encouraging organizations to come here to Columbus. And I think that's where we help each other. You know, it's we're, we're, we should be a stop. Uh, we should be a stop on the on the roadmap when you're courting either customers or businesses or organizations in the community. And I, I think that's what's great about it. I think, you know, the opportunity we have to help each other to move our city, our community forward to be a better place to, you know, work, live and and have fun while at a hockey game. I mean. I mean, there you go. That's what it comes down to, having the experience. And I and I love that, that you see the chamber in terms of an outlet for that and how the chamber looks at connecting the community. Mm -hmm. So it's fantastic. You all are um, great partners and, and members. If listeners want to become more involved, I mean, I know we talked about creating that plan that might work if you don't have um, – that kind of philanthropic plan in place. But if people want to get more involved beyond that with the Columbus Blue Jackets Foundation, what's the best way to do it? I mean, do you have opportunities for businesses and fans to give back to the community? It sounds like you might. I mean, if we're talking about fans being part of these 5,000 hours, it sounds like there are opportunities to work with you guys and to be that volunteer. Yeah. So there's a, when we can, um, offer initiatives for, to engage fans, we love to do it. So our season ticket holders have done a number of years, a beautification project where we've gone out in the community. That's been a great way to engage them. We talked about the playground builds. Um, we've only built, you know, two of the eight with the city. We've got seven playgrounds in the pipeline right now wow. and a new grant cycle coming up with an, a number of calls in about people that are looking. So I think there's that way. I, you know, every if you've been to a Blue Jackets game, we run a 50-50 raffle at every game. That requires at least for 30 volunteers. And we partner with nonprofit organizations, but we always need uh, people to help us. That's an important way that, that we raise funds to be able to grant back to the community. 
Um, so if you like being at the game and you know you can be loud and proud uh, on the concourse, we can we can always uh, use help there. I think you know social media is a strong tool as well in helping people understand what we are doing in the community and spreading the word. We have some special events, so from if you're a business and, and want to get involved with the Cannonball, which is our largest fundraising event, or just come out and play golf, the opportunity to play at Double Eagle is pretty special. Uh, yes, it is. Not to mention being able to, to play with some of our Columbus Blue Jackets uh, players and alumni. So Bonus. Yeah. There's a number of different ways. Um, you know, I've, I've taken every call, every call from a, a community organization since I've been here. We can't help them all. But I'd love to sit down, number one, to have that conversation. Who are you? What do you do? You know, and because maybe I can't help you today, but as good community connectors, I might know someone who can, or when the opportunity comes up, I can better represent those organizations that, that have come through. And so, you know, give us, give us a shout and we'll sit down and we'll, we'll talk about it. And, um, there's, you know, there's, I keep saying it, but there's just, there's so many needs in our community, um, none, you know, not, none of them are more important than the other. And so the only way we're going to tackle that is if we figure out how to connect people together uh, to, to move the needle on and, the issues. And have all of the conversations. Absolutely. So the fact that you're, you are engaging in all those conversations, even if you can't always say yes, you're working with these groups to make something better happen for everyone yes. through those conversations. Well, Ontario, Canada, thank you for Catherine Dobbs. I mean, your energy, and I'm so glad we had this conversation thank today, you. by the way, it was long overdue. Um, but what you've brought to Columbus and your energy and spirit just from this time we spent together, I can really appreciate. So thank you for being here with us today. Well, thank you. you know, I am a typical Canadian, so we all, you know, we all want to grow up and yes, it's true. We we're everything that you think <laughs> of us and you hope one day you're going to make it to the NHL. So the joke in my family with all my brothers that played hockey and, and I, I did not is that they hoped someone would make it to the NHL. They just didn't think it would be me. There you go, Catherine. I mean, she's there, she is there and she is here in Columbus, Ohio. Thank you for being with us Thanks today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate that. If you enjoyed today's episode, please let us know by sharing your ratings and reviews. All you have to do is search CBuzz on iTunes or your preferred podcatcher and leave us a note to let us know how we're doing. It really is the way that people find our show when you leave us feedback. And we also value those ideas too as we plan for future episodes. CBuzz is produced in collaboration with Capital University and is recorded at Capital's Convergent Media Center. So we want to thank their talented students, faculty, and staff for really helping bring this program to life for you, our listeners. I'm Michaela Hunt. Thanks again for joining us, and we will catch you next time. LED displays are the perfect custom-designed, eco-friendly addition to any event that leaves audiences in awe. Live Technologies can design unique LED layouts for everything from event content to digital signage. Visit realivepros.com to discover how Live Technologies can elevate your event with LED. Celebrate social enterprises that are building good in our community. Join the Metropreneur on Thursday, September 13th for Aspire. Aspire celebrates and honors business leaders doing more with their business. More good, more impact, more community building. More information available on the metropreneur.com forward slash Aspire.